Welcome back to Dice and Salt. I'm Lord Richter. And I'm Lady Toast. And this week we're going to talk about Meanwhile, Part 1, which is stuff that's happening in other parts of Vigil, because it turns out that there's apparently an extra-dimensional prison attached to Castle Overwatch, which I was not aware of, but apparently there is. I wasn't aware of it either, but it's clearly there. I mean, it's got a whole two, almost two-hour episode. So. That's, that's right. It's It's impressive. So I, I have not actually checked to see if it is real or if Alex just came up with that for a fun thing, but uh, here we are. And like our last Meanwhile back in Skull and Shackles, they brought back James from Dimension Door and Amanda from Dimension Door with him this time. So now we have two Dimension Door cast members crossing over and having fun with the guys at Inspired Incompetence. Yeah. I wonder if they do stuff on their podcast as well. I don't actually know. I, it's not one that I've... No, I listened to their podcast. Uh, Alex actually turned me on to it. He was mentioning on the Discord years ago that this was one that he really liked and listened to. So I jumped over there and turns out I was in their Discord before both Alex and Tom, who is also the other fan of Dimension Door mm. that's at Inspired Incompetence. I, I mean, I think like Nick has heard some of it, but I, I know for sure Alex and Tom listen regularly. It's on my podcast app. It's just I haven't started it. I have like half a dozen podcasts that sit there like that. I, it I just understand happens to that. Be one I've, of them. I've tried several myself. The podcasts that I listen to are Inspired Incompetence, Dimension Door, and uh, From Afar. But Dimension Door I've been listening to. They're really, really good. James is amazing. If you didn't hear him in Skull and Shackles and the Meanwhile episode there, it's worth going back and finding it. And I think it's even titled the same, isn't it? Something like Meanwhile. Something like that. I think, I think it's just Meanwhile in... Oh, I'd have to go look. Hold on. Nope, nope. It's just called Meanwhile. It's just called Meanwhile? Great. Just called Meanwhile. Then go over to Dimension Door and uh, you know listen to them and then join their Discord. There'll be a lot of familiar faces. And <laughs> so you know, it makes it a little easier to jump in and join the rowdy group, as it were. Mm-hmm. All right. So Meanwhile starts with a group therapy session. In the yeah. Uh, vigil prison? Yeah, see, I thought this was going to be the whole episode. Like, <laughs> for some reason, my mind was telling oh, that me, been like, funny. this is like, it's a group therapy session for people from vigil dealing with the blast or something. <laughs> oh. I'm just like, this is going to be a bottle episode where they're just doing flashbacks to like... To terror uh, and I trauma? Was, nice. Well, well, I thought it was going to be like an outsider's view of the PCs. Right? Oh, that's clever. That's clever. I take back my laugh. Yeah, like... Uh, Somewhat. <laughs> no, it's still funny. It would, it's still a good idea, I think, to view the PC's actions from the lens of, you know, someone else, someone that doesn't know them. Because, I mean, if you look at their actions in Vigil, at one point they just go to a, an, a weapons and armor shop and kind of looks like they burn the place down. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They show up <laughs> so, and fire. Actually, I think when they went to the shop, it was already on was, fire when they got there, I think, in all fairness. Yeah, it was already on fire, but you know how things get twisted when rumors spread. Yeah, I mean, the party was carrying gas cans and, uh, you know, incendiary devices, so uh, they did look guilty, but, you know, no. No, they didn't actually do it. Yeah, but uh, it turns out that's just where the episode starts, and then the prisoners kind of get sent to their cells for the evening, I guess. Yep, yep. <laughs> it actually turns out as a very clever intro, because everybody has to go through and say who they are and give their race and class and all that stuff. And uh, so we meet True. all the characters. Which gets real meta real quick. Oh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> so there's Stick, the halfling witch, played by uh, James, and Defroth, mm-hmm. the half-orc barbarian fighter, played by Tom who's only there because everyone's racist against me 
and saw only the half work and you know what I did wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah. My thing is the name Tom. Come on, Defroth. Really? You're just going to change one letter? <laughs> well, no, it's it's two letters. Come on now. Oh, sorry. I'll give Tom his credit. He changed two, two letters. letters. Yes, he did. <laughs> well, and, and he it's not just a change of two letters. He took out one letter, put in two letters, so he made it longer that way. So, you know, it's much more transformative than just switching a couple letters. Mm, okay, okay. I'm just trying to give Tom his due. Uh, and then there's Lieutenant Hugh Jack, a half-orc wizard played by Nick. Now, keep in mind, that's two half-orcs right now. And then uh, Amanda, yep. who's playing Goob, a half-orc, at which point Alex says, oh, God, there are more of them, which clearly proves <laughs> it's racial, as the half-orcs are clearly overrepresented in this vigil prison. Yeah, uh, all the half-orcs are, are prisoners, right? Oh, no, There's no, not uh, any uh, actual guards. Nick, uh, Hugh Jack, Nick, is a half-orc that is Oh, guard. right, he's lieutenant. Yes. He is. Because he is. Okay. they're all lieutenants. So it's, it's not completely one-sided. And then there's uh, Lieutenant Jan the Human Inquisitor, Joe. Jan the Human Yinquisitor. Yinquisitor. Oh, I missed the Yinquisitor. Oh, my God. It gets even better. It get better as a word for oh. it. <laughs> uh, and then there's uh, Fleabert, the Frost Giant, who's an NPC. And his big goal in life mm-hmm. is to get out in two weeks and open a skin and fur shop called Skin Tight Furries. And I just, I can't. I can't with the name. It's one of those names. It's like, it's really good. It's, it's, fu- is it too furry for you or too fuzzy? Or is it the, the skin tight that, you it's, know, it's the combination. It's both. It's a funny name. It made me laugh. And I'm just like, oh, why? Why that name? <laughs> but that's, that's Alex. And, uh, yeah, that's just, that's just how Alex yep, thinks. Yep. I and guess. then there's Lieutenant Harlan Bashore, human shield champion mutagenic brawler. I don't think he could fit any more titles into that class. No, and and he uh, he's got a solid accent, a very he, he, very stereotypical Midwest accent. Yep, it's definitely something. That's right. And I can't tell you if it's accurate or not, but it's definitely stereotypical. It is stereotypical. <laughs> I mean, you, I was exactly imagining the right area and everything when he did that voice. I mean, that I assume he's intending for us to envision because we didn't take time to ask Matt what he was trying to pull off here. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right. Did you just call him Matt? Because we didn't talk to Matt this week. Are, are you sure we didn't talk to Matt this week? I'm, I'm pretty sure that when we have the interview later that, you know, you're pretty confident we talked to Matt this week. I don't know what you're talking about. Not at all. Uh, why don't we Not just move all. on? All right, moving along. And then, uh, like uh, Toast mentioned, they they go to bed, so they get put in their cells, and we find out that Stick has a familiar, which is a void worm with a scorpion tail and purple butterfly wings. And uh, yeah, his f- named Leaf. Named Leaf, yeah. <laughs> who is in his own little prison, which has a glass window so which they can look adorable. at each other all night long. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> It's like, you're in prison, and so is your Right, familiar. right. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, there's probably something practical about that in, in all reality in, in this crazy fantasy game. but I'm sure it has something to do with being able to cast spells through your familiar and stuff. So uh, Yeah, something like that. I was I thinking more of I the idea know. of the familiar keeps trying to get in to get to you and thus might find ways to get you out or something like that. So just keeping that little pesty booger mm. right there might be a smart move but fair yeah fair. I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of uh, bizarre practicality to it you know if we took a second to uh, analyze it thoroughly so the next morning opens up and there's the the central courtyard and the guards are kind of mulling about don't really know what's going on and there's a missing captain at that moment and then uh, they 
haven't let the prisoners out yet to give them breakfast or anything. And yeah, they're all complaining. It's like, um, you know, we we got a schedule to yep, keep yep. here. You know, I mean, this is prison, but like, you know, come on. And time's so we uh, we get the we get the hint that something <laughs> is wrong. Something is different today. Mm-hmm. Some of the rumors fly around that possibly people that aren't there are getting promotions. Or um, there well, yeah, there's something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, and then that Stick comes up. I think Stick actually comes up. James comes up with. The people that aren't there are getting promotions, but somehow there's something about promotions might be in the air. Maybe the people that are there are going to get, I don't know. <laughs> we get a couple of those going on. We get some other weird stuff. We have an episode where Fleabert, the frost giant, starts to panic because things aren't as they should be. And he's two weeks away from getting out and he really wants his skin tight furries. <sighs> You keep saying it, and it doesn't make I'm, it better. I'm just saying what <laughs> Fleabert said. I'm just quoting a character. I, I know, and you're doing it maliciously. I am not <laughs> maliciously quoting skin-tight furries. Oh, my God. Moving on. Uh, they Well, there's an episode with Fleabert, and some of the prisoners get involved in calming Fleabert down along with some of the guards because nobody wants the frost giant going crazy and breakdancing in among normal-sized people. and uh, Breakdancing? Did I, wait, did I miss something here? Well, no, he was going to, they were trying to thing? prevent him from going, you know, going rampaging. So I Right, was, but how is that breakdancing? Well, I just imagine if the frost giant's going to go on a rampage, he's going to be flailing limbs in every direction, you know, smacking people and causing problems. And so I imagine, you know, like if he was breakdancing, he'd be spinning and flipping and whatever, and just, you know, people would getting kicked, smacked, and knocked every which way, exactly as if he was rampaging. I just, you know, I just called it hmm. breakdancing. I think you and I have a very different idea of what breakdancing no, is. No, I, I think I know what breakdancing <laughs> is. I'm just, you know, putting a combat spin on it. I mean, you know, why not? Okay. I mean, right. imagine, if you will, <laughs> a large creature decides to dance in a small confined space. Right? Isn't he going to knock tables over and do things like that and just be going crazy? And then, you know, why just dance normally where you are almost certain not to cause harm? Why not break dance where there's a good chance you're going to flail in a direction and hit something and knock it over? Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Anyway. Going back to Flea Burt and his skin tight furries. Oh, my God. Um, they get him calmed down and then the captain shows up. And when the captain shows up, the captain uh, mentions that something's amiss. And they need to find, I forget who they need to go find. Uh, Durwood. Durwood, yeah. Somebody Durwood. Durwood, Durwood the Druid. Because I guess Alex likes his alliteration. Well, him and Stan Lee, man. So they got to find Durwood the Druid. And they're supposed to take the three lieutenants, uh, Harlan, Hugh, mm-hmm. and Jan. And Jan insists he needs to be promoted to be in charge, which the captain... <laughs> Agrees to without too much hassle. Uh, so Jan starts mm-hmm. calling himself, what, captain? Well, he can't be captain, so maybe he's, what, executive lieutenant in charge or something like that? I don't know what they... <laughs> they go into a little bit about that. And then uh, they also are sending along the prisoners. And Tom and Tom's gang, turns out Tom is building a gang related around mm-hmm. uh, half-orc uh, racial purity or something or like that. I yeah. think Nick makes a crack. Are you like the Aryan brotherhood in prison? And Tom's like, yeah, exactly. And we own the basketball court. And, uh, so there's some, uh, some joking about Tom's prison gang. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, it's all very yep. odd. <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely odd. Tom even goes off on goob for being racist against Tom because Tom's a half orc and goob's a half orc. <laughs> I think Tom's character Defroth just has a you know a chip on his shoulder. I thought you were going to say mental deficiency, but you know chip on the shoulder works too. <laughs> so they go off to find Durwood, and the first place they go, they get permission to to go from the captain is to the 
I guess the armory or some kind of storeroom, uh, but it's the contraband room, contraband room. Thank you. Uh, so the prisoners can get some of their stuff. So they're able to handle things. Yep. They end up getting some potions and, and I forget who makes the joke, but someone says that they're specially equipped to drink potions. And I'm just like, so you have a mouth. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I forgot about that. This like, this episode has a lot of great moments. We're we're really not hitting them all and just yeah. listening to it, you're gonna find some gems that we didn't mention. Mm-hmm. Then we go to Durwood's office. Well, first we have a brief encounter in the contraband room and some guards walk in and it turns out maybe they're in there to do some five finger discounting of stuff that they're planning on smuggling out and selling, but they kind of get mm-hmm. caught and then they try and throw it on the party, but the part you know, but Lieutenant Bashore, he uh, you know, he's all over them, he's got them nailed down. And they, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of run them off. Um, and then they get to Durwood's office. And uh, Jan and Hugh go in and find Durwood the Druid dead on the floor. And then Jan comes out and asks Harlan, what in God's green earth did you do to him? And, you know, all the goofiness that goes with Joe. And then everybody goes inside to the room to sort of have a look around and see what they can take and try and figure out what's going on. And then Durwood's ghost appears. <laughs> And explains yeah. the situation and what's happened to him. And then... It's a very uh, convenient way to, to explain, to get the dead guy to talk. Yes, it was it was very convenient. It kind of makes you think, hey, speak with dead could be useful. Don't believe it, folks. Mm-hmm. It's a trap. Always. And then uh, they have another fight with the guys that took out uh, Durwood, who aren't guys. They're bone devils, if I remember right. Hmm. And somewhere in there, James does a, a sing-songy, math finder kind of thing yeah this is where we get math finder like which at my he's table not wrong at my table which i've been saying on discord is math finder you play for the education not the fun mm, i don't want to play at your table <laughs> so yeah well i, I don't want to do that I, I don't want to either sometimes <laughs> it's your table i know but i you need can the stop education it at any time. i need the education look i think if at this point in your life you haven't figured it out you know maybe just Math finder isn't for you. Well, that could be a possibility. Or math isn't for you. But <laughs> I don't believe it. Okay. Okay. Um so then they have uh then they have a fight with the devils and in the fight with the devils, yeah. Matt's character, Harlan, we find out that he's a shield thrower. So he's essentially made Oh, he's Captain America. Captain America. Yeah, that's right. Because he bounces it between two devils and then between the devil and the wall. Right, right. And then back to him. And then there's another one where he bounces it off the wall and then hit the devil in the head. And he sees it going bung, 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 like three times before it comes back to him. Yeah, he mentions that they basically had to rewrite some rules just to make that particular feat or whatever class ability. I don't know what it is exactly, but they had to rewrite some things to make it work. I don't remember him saying rewrite. I remember him saying... That according to the rules, it worked one way, but he saw it as working this other way because it would just made more sense. Mm-hmm. I remember that. But either way, it's it's funny. I'm I'm looking forward to a little more of that before the the episode's over, or before excuse me, before the the story's over in part two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. They handle the devils fairly handily. They they do that well, and then for some reason, Joe grabs Durwood by the ankles and starts to haul him off to see the captain. Oh, yeah. He starts weakened at burning the, the druid. Yeah. Oh, God. That was so bad. <laughs> I love that. It was and good. Then they, no, it was so and good. And then they leave uh, They leave Durwood there with his uh, custom art piece or something. And uh, I guess so. I don't remember that. Yeah. They leave him laying on the side and give him his lumbar pillow and some other stuff. And then Amanda lays the, the custom art piece face down on him. So he has everything he needs. And then there's uh, they go back to the captain. 
I think they make it back to the captain, right? I can't remember. I believe so. The end of the episode is really fuzzy for me for some reason. I don't remember yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's fuzzy huh. for me too, to be honest. Uh, what I do remember out of it that gets said is something about they're going to search the devils. And it's they ask if they're clothed or if they're naked. And uh, mm-hmm. someone says, yeah, well, I'm not touching them if they're naked. And then I think this is when Tom busts out with, uh, what, you've never heard of the penis pocket? Oh, God. And, uh, Oh, God. In the episode, it goes completely ignored. I know, I know. It's probably the best thing to do in this case. And then we got to get to the end of the episode at that. And, you know, I guess we have to wait until next week for part two. Yes. And uh, I can't wait to hear the kind of trouble they're going to get into now. Mm -hmm. I assume next week they'll end up getting out probably towards the end of the episode. Although it could be an interesting thing if they got out earlier and, you know, had some time to roam around. Well, I'm suspecting they have to have a showdown with the warden. And then I'm kind of expecting, to be honest, I'm kind of expecting that the escape from the prison, like getting everybody out of the prison, won't actually open up onto Vigil. It'll open up to some other location and they'll hear what happened to Vigil because they'll be trying to find that piece of information. That's kind of my guess. That's That's what I would do. Because to me, then it's even more horrific. Yeah, it's not great. (laughs) Well, to me, it would be more, it's more horrific that they, something's wrong. They don't know what they got to fight devils. They think they've been through hell. No puns intended there. And Mm -hmm. they get out and they find out now Vigil got nuked. It's just gone. And if you hadn't been in the pocket dimension, Mm -hmm. you'd be gone. But you were, and you got out over here and now you're, you're alive, but everybody you knew is gone. And it's not like, I mean, when I think about it, it's not like Rogar and Uhtred and stuff where they find out everybody's gone, but they don't really know that at the beginning. They kind of have to go through a journey and figure, well, why am I dead? Why am I coming back from the, the place of the dead? This is, no, I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I've been alive the whole time. And, oh, crap. I mean, I don't know where Fleabert's going to open up his, you know, skin-tight furry store. I don't know. I don't know. And I think that wraps us up this week, folks. Yeah. Uh, coming up, we've got an interview with... Uh, the man himself. GM Alex. Uh, you sure it's not Matt? I, I just sworn it was Matt. <laughs> I, I'm i sure it's GM Alex. I, I think uh, Our Lady of Toast there may have gotten him confused with someone else. Well, you'll just have to stick around and find out. Yes, you will. <laughs> Hello, everyone. We're here with an exclusive interview with GM Alex. That's right. The man behind it all. The brains of the entire operation. Okay, well, maybe not the brains, but he's the guy behind the screen that's making all the stuff happen that we love and hate. Welcome. How's your night going, Alex? Uh, it's, it's pretty good. Um, can, we, uh, can we hurry this along? I have a meeting with the president of gaming. Oh, of course. So of sorry. Course. So sorry to Thank keep you. Thank you for the paltry seconds that you're able to give us. We, uh, we appreciate that greatly. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm very happy to be here. You're just going to blow off uh, the president a... of gaming? Yeah, I mean... Wouldn't be the first time. It's just me. I mean, who it's are we just kidding? Me. <laughs> okay, so we got some questions for you here to throw out there, and okay, however it hands out. So, uh, question number one: What came first, Jubilix's death or Crix's death? I'm sorry. Did you say Jubilix? I did say Jubilix. I'm sorry. I mean Jubilix's <laughs> death. Sorry, my bad. There's an X at the end of Crix. I put an X in on accident. I could be in a meeting with the president <laughs> I know, I know. of gaming right now. Oh man. Uh, Crix's death came first. Oh, nice. By a few weeks, I think, because that was, so we actually recorded a double session that night. So we, we killed Crix by, by we, I mean, I, and, uh, that was, which I know is new for you. So I'm, I'm applauding. uh, Well, look, I'm, 
I'm still. We have these things. I don't know how up to date you are on the podcast, but we have these things called uh, crit cards. Oh yes, crit cards. I've heard of them. And sometimes uh, they can be really bad. You you may have noticed that I'm not the one who draws them. Mm-hmm. Matt is. Matt drew his own fate. Right. Yeah. But aren't so, there dice uh, rolls before you get to the cards? Yeah. There is a single crit, and uh, that is hardly uh, anything to write home about in our uh, campaign as of late. Mm-hmm. So I sense that you're attempting to uh, get some sort of defensive rise out of me, Mr. Richter. Oh, not and, at all. Uh, not at all. The reality is uh, I got a single crit, and Matt drew the single worst possible crit card. Yeah, that's... Uh, that was what happened. Um, but yeah, so we, we did a double that night. That was the first session. And Matt scrambled to try to uh, create a new character before we ended. But it kind of worked out that like I had no idea that we were going to spend 45 minutes discussing a body, what to do with a body. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it was fine. Uh, but yeah, so we recorded that session. That was the last session that we recorded until two days ago. And But we recorded that session probably like a month prior because we just had you know week after week we had you know one one thing or another come up some of them were expected like nick and uh joe were out of town Mm -hmm. and uh someone got sick and fan fest yeah and one of the one of those weeks was war for the crown uh it was just another night that we don't record tuesday gaming so yeah it was uh it, it was about a month since uh, Crix died, that uh, Matt was finally able to play his new character. Which no, we won't know for at least another two, almost no, two, two weeks. because we have to go That's correct. To the second half of Meanwhile. Yeah. And then we have to wait a week after that for the actual episode to drop. Yep. Two that weeks. That is correct, yes. It's brutality. I don't like it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I am kind of glad that you guys have at least this time, you know, because you recorded this a while back and you know if you guys did at least one double session you guys could get a, a small backlog if you liked yeah we i think the general goal is to get like a four episode cushion mm-hmm. which we haven't been able to enjoy since labor day last year oh wow and you know it's if we didn't have that darn war for the crown uh taking up a week out of our month it wouldn't Gosh, be such a uh, patrons that's your thing. I know. If those guys would just, you know, stop away. giving you money. <laughs> no, yeah. No, it's it, it, it is what it is. It's it's a it's a labor of love that none of us mind doing. But we haven't done a normal like we have like a normal session and a late session and a double session depending on what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done just a normal session. I think more than once or twice in the last year. It's either been a late session or a double session, which includes War for the Crown. Oh, wow. Late session's still just one episode, though, right? You just end up recording. Yeah, it's just, it would be, you know, it would take up the time of the second of a double session. Mm. Uh, Gotcha. But in the meantime, I get up for work at 4.30 in the morning the next day. So So you're probably pretty fried that day. I am always tired. Yeah. I guess having a a four-week cushion would be nice because you guys could, if you wanted, take a week off and you could actually get some damn sleep. (laughs) Yeah. That would be nice, but... I'm sure Michelle would appreciate it. Yeah. But again, it's uh, it's what we signed up for because, you know, we love you guys and we wanted to... uh, I mean, me being able to play in a campaign is a lot of fun, no matter how many times I make a new character. And we wanted to, you know, it just seemed like the logical progression as we uh, we got more and more traction 
and more people donating to the cause the best way for us to give back so it's all good i guess that that, that kind of leads into the one of the questions that i had which is uh why exactly did you end up in the forever gm position did no one else just want to do it because i don't you didn't start out that way did you or did you no the first gm i ever had if you can believe it is joe oh no what is a joe game like <laughs> Uh, it's a bunch of nonsense. You know, so it was, like it was Joe back plays. for D and D 3.5. Yeah. I mean, he, honestly, the expectations were so much lower back then. Cause it's like, I didn't know what D and D was beyond like the fringes of my exposure to it. Like I, so I had no idea what I was doing and Joe, for his part, kind of took running the game a little bit more seriously, probably because it was this new thing. And like he it, he, it doesn't he doesn't come across it, but he is actually like really good at gaming and like can like crunch the numbers and know the tactics. But for some reason, he he just has his comfort zone with Pathfinder. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Joe was my first DM, and that was in tenth or eleventh grade in high school. So that would have been like two thousand four. 10th or 11th grade. It, now, correct me if I'm wrong here, yeah. but I thought that you and Nick and Joe knew each other from like middle school. Um, Yeah. Nick and I met in fourth grade. Ah, uh, okay. And Joe and I met, I think, in like eighth grade. Mm. So the super secret names, but, that was a high school thing of Joe's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That paints a picture for me. I love it. Yeah. No, we've been the we've been the three amigos for a very long time. That was my understanding. Yeah. So how did you meet uh, Matt and Talbot and Tom? Um, I met Tom through Matt Kucher, and it was at, uh, I'm trying to think of the timeline. It was bef- it was it would have been before Matt ran the Kingmaker campaign that we did before we started calling shackles. Mm-hmm. I, I had this homebrew setting that we were had, we were already in and Matt was Matt said like I've got this friend who is pretty new to gaming but he really likes it. He was wondering if we had an open spot. So we like hung out once or twice and I was like, Yeah, sure, bring him on. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> right. There you go. Now is it true Tom mentioned that he had met you at some sort of camp before yeah. He met Matt, and then before Matt brought him oh, back and reintroduced him to you? Yes, that's true. I, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, I was a... Uh, Trying to I was block camp- it out of your memory. <laughs> I was I was a camp counselor. I was a I was a junior ca- counselor because I was still in high school. But I was I was the I was the cool junior counselor with your dice bag at your belt. With my, <laughs> I hid that part of my life back then because I had to be the cool junior counselor. Right. Right. Okay. But yeah, and uh, Tom, like we associated like very, very, very infrequently. Like I was, I kind of had my own group of kids, and some in summer camp, I feel like paints a different picture than what it actually was. It was, it was like a day camp. It was run out of the school campus that you know I went to school at. Oh, okay, and. Run through some teachers who like to do outdoorsy things, and it was like this two week long thing. And then at the end of the two weeks, we would go to the Adirondacks and do like a two night camping trip. And they had some other programs in there for like older kids, like like a five day trip through like the the lake region of the Adirondacks. You go canoeing. Oh, okay. But yeah, Tom and I met through the like the the former of those, and we weren't in the same group or anything like that. We just kind of like 
socially bumped into each other a few times. Mm -hmm. And Tom brought that up. He said, did we both go to that summer camp? And I was like, holy shit, we did. I kind of remember you. And that was that was pretty much it. We didn't like have any epic uh, summer camp stories where we raided the the girls' bunk room or anything like that. It's not as glamorous as it sounds, having done that myself. (laughs) I don't doubt that for a second, actually. Uh, What? You, You don't think I'm nerdy enough? Is my nerd cred not good enough? I don't think that you... No, you you are just adventurous enough to have actually done something like <laughs> just that. Just adventurous enough? <laughs> wow. Yes. I'm just adventurous enough. Okay. No, it's all right. I, I think I think I actually failed to answer uh, Toast's former uh, last question. I ramble, so I'm I, I, I'm my own I'm my own saboteur when it comes to interviews. But I became the forever DM because I love telling stories. Pretty much, uh, I my first introduction to Pathfinder was actually run by Andrew, and that was kind of where Matt Kuchar and I got cemented as gaming friends. And I kind of got inspired to run my own game, and invited Andrew and Matt, among some other people, uh, including Nick, to take part in it. And it ended in utter disaster, but I still had a lot of fun. I learned a lot from it. <laughs> And after that, like, I just kind of always ran my own game. Uh, so I, I really love a GM. I, I until, I, I guess it's still kind of a goal of mine, but it's taken a, a, a deep, deep back burner uh, with all of my other responsibilities right now. But I've always wanted to be a, like a, a, a writer. I mean, so that kind of, I don't doubt it. I, you could definitely do it. We've, you know, we've mentioned on here before how much we, you know, I, you know, love the, like the cinematic scenes that you write. Thank you. The, usually they're not exclusively the book intros, but every book intro is so good. And then when you do like all the flashbacks, they're so good. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that kind of like contributed to me not being like, all I got to do is just finish writing this book and then I'll be a successful writer. It's the podcast has actually kind of inadvertently become a really good outlet to that desire to, to write stories because Mm -hmm. I kind of do that a little bit. Right. But yeah, um, you know, who knows, maybe one day I'll do it, but I would be very interested to see what you wrote. Okay. Well, I have like a, I have a part of a half-baked book that i could uh i could send to you if you'd be interested in reading it i i would be very interested in reading it i always love oh, okay. new reading material okay well if, if this part makes it into the interview uh anybody who's listening if if you want to if you want to read uh a small part of an unfinished book uh just uh message me on discord and i'll uh give you a look well, you feel free to send that over just me i'm cutting all that <laughs> nice <laughs> toast gets exclusive first peak rights <laughs> no I'll, I'll keep it in because that's that's really cool i like i love the the your writing style it's very visual and it's i don't know it just it draws what? you into the scene to where you're you don't it feels well, like you're almost that it's inside very it. cinematic thank you it's especially when you say you know we're panning back we're and you're giving it you know kind of like the distance that the pullback is or that we're moving through this or we're yeah. doing that and i i, I kind it's of it's very different I've not seen a lot of people do that. They either try and do like an immersive thing where it's the characters themselves talking or they just mm-hmm. do a narration thing. And you're more I, of a, you're, you're trying yeah. to talk your way through a trailer and describe a trailer that everybody's watching 
in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a, a fairly accurate way to put it. That's kind of what I'm what I'm going for. Uh, fun fact: that's actually a writing style that I adapted specifically for the podcast. The like for if I'm like writing a book, it is a lot more like how you would actually like expect a book to be written. Uh, there's no like, and then we pan back like anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I do that is because I kind of kind of reason through it like if you're listening to a podcast it's so much different than reading a book like if you're reading a book and you're like like you can like just really pour in like all the descriptors and just be as uh as wordy as you want like just paint this gorgeous tapestry and the reader is allowed to go oh hold on a second like like, let me go back up one paragraph so i can make sure i don't miss this they that's not usually a luxury that a lot of people want or are able to utilize in an audible medium. So I kind of toned back a little bit on a lot of the descriptors that I would normally do and make it a more cinematic thing because I am I guess I, I'm trying to I'm trying to paint this picture, but I'm also doing it in a way where, you know, you, you can't like you can rewind a right. podcast, but you usually don't want to. So it is a uh, like a unique way of writing that I kind of taught myself to do for the sake of well these uh these scenes the and flashbacks. Reason, I think they're fantastic. It's very different and it sticks out. And uh, I know one of your favorite podcasts, Dimension Door. They are very descriptive, yeah. very colorful, and and I I love James. He's amazing. I do not think he holds a candle He's a swell to. Dude what you do with your, you know, we're panning back or we're moving, you know, we're closing in on the house and we're moving through the wall. We're now inside in this room. I just, it just doesn't have the same, the same flavor or the same experience listening to it. I, I'm just saying. Guys, my, my head can only get so big. Oh, oh no, oh no. We, that, that baby can get bigger. Trust me. <laughs> well, no, seriously, I, I, I appreciate all of these kind words. I really do, especially comparing me to to James that's uh, I consider that high praise so the only two other things that we need to know before we get to the serious questions the deep questions <laughs> where we peel back the layers and we see nothing but truth <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how'd you meet Talbot and then whose idea was the podcast and where did that idea come from okay because but let's start with Talbot yeah because I, there's one other piece I want to ask related to the podcast idea all these that you've uh, I'm gonna need a shovel with all these leads that you're burying. I know, I'm paying attention. It's scary. Okay, okay so I met Talbot I, I'm doing my best high school. He was friends with another guy that was friends with Nick and Joe. And the other guy kind of oh, okay. filtered out of the picture a little bit. Uh and Talbot kind of started hanging out with us more regularly. I wanna say it's probably tenth grade that we met Talbot. And it was Okay. Talbot was probably the first, I love you, Joe, but Matt Talbot was probably the first proper GM that I ever had. Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, wow. Wow. I, I just, I just felt Joe. Yeah, he'll never recover from that. His heart stopped for a second. What the hell? <laughs> Uh, and Talbot and his brother actually who came to watch us at Phantom Fest I don't know if he'll ever listen to this but they're both uh, very uh, talented game masters and yeah I I gamed in several campaigns that Matt Talbot ran and I actually learned about Vampire the Masquerade through his brother he ran that game for us and that was so much fun 
So that's how I that's how I know Talbot, and we've just kind of been compadres ever since. The podcast. Okay, so the first person to say, "Hey, we should do a podcast," was Andrew. It was not conceived as we should do an actual play podcast or have it anything to do with gaming at all, actually. We had no idea what we wanted to do. We just knew that we liked to hear ourselves talk, and maybe other people did too. <laughs> and that was about as far as we went with it. We we were, you should hear how ambitious we were. We were like, we're going to be like rooster teeth. We're going to be a big fucking deal. Like, we're so funny and witty, and everyone's going to eat it up. And it just never turned into anything. But yeah, then eventually... We were like, hey, we never did anything with that podcast idea. What if we just played Pathfinder? They were like, all right, so we're going to need the equipment. We're going to need this. We're going to need that. We're going to need to learn how to do this. Let's get some microphones and let's just try it out and ended up playing the entirety of Kingmaker. I mean, on the one hand, like we're not going to start a podcast halfway through a campaign. On the other hand, we were also just really enjoying playing Kingmaker. But I don't think we intended for our practice run to last like two years. Oh wow! But that, wait, or, I, or however long it took. I was I was under the impression this was a couple of sessions that you guys did and recorded. I didn't realize no. there was half a campaign with recording material out there. It was an entire campaign, oh, and not, uh, yeah, that's that story at least is. I, I didn't know realize it was the whole campaign. They did the I sat down and did the test yeah, the whole Kingmaker. Nope. Oh my god. In, no. You know what? No. Actually, it did start before we started running Kingmaker with the homebrew campaign that I was doing. Uh, we were halfway through that. We never actually finished that, but I don't remember how or why we made the jump to doing Kingmaker like from that campaign. Because I was actually having a blast with that. But well, and see, here's my question with that: How did Matt end up being the GM when you're the forever? Uh, GM? Because I had been the forever GM. F- for that entire age of that gaming group. And I think that might have been it, where I was kind of like, I'm a little burned out, guys. Uh, But we got to, like, we should, like, start practice recording. And Matt Kuchar was like, you know, I've GM'd a few times. I could do Kingmaker and... Yeah, so like that's that's kind of just how that happened. Oh, nice. Well, it's a day I learned. All right. <laughs> well, that's that's why when uh, you know I talk about release that material. Oh yeah, it's it's going to be some yes, time yeah. to delve into that. So, and that's probably why they don't want it released because it's you know two years of what's yeah, considered that's, that's less than so stellar. much less than stellar. I mean, that's why I was we had... like just release it because it's like it's one or two episodes. Who cares? It's fun. <laughs> but no, it's it's like oh, no, two no, years no, worth no. of material. That's yeah. Wow. It's it's an entire AP, a whole nother story yep. with the crew. Oh God. Yeah, this sounds amazing. All right, so here we are. We're at those questions of truth. So, which set of dice is your favorite, and why? Ooh. You know, you're asking me this question, <laughs> knowing. <laughs> That both of you have sent me dice. And uh, and for the record, and for the listeners, Toast and I agreed on these questions beforehand. So Toast is not ambushed in any way, nope. shape, or form. No, just me, toast. right? Just you. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I, should have, I should have suspected this journalistic uh, disintegrity. Integrity. I mean, Integrity. look, for, the, uh-huh. for the interview with Michelle, we gave her the questions. And for the interview with Matt, we gave him the questions. We just didn't give them to you. And I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> I think I'm quite sure why. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Listen, you're you're asking me which is my favorite child as my children, <laughs> and that is so not okay. Uh, so I'm going to do the parent cop out and say I can't pick just one. Uh, <laughs> listen. My toast dice are my favorite dice because they are the colors of the podcast and they are the only metal dice that I own. My Lord Richter dice are my favorite dice because they have magical powers and anytime I want a massive power boost, all I need to do is take them out of their prison. Your power dice are metal dice, my friend. Oh my God, you're right there. (laughs) So I have two sets. Well, listeners, you heard it here first. We know who the favorites are. Look, you'd are. forget what your dice were made of if they were in a prison and you weren't allowed to touch them. You're allowed to touch them when you play as a player. Okay. You've been told that. Nick told you that. I didn't make that rule. Nick told you that. Yeah. And I, I told know. you you could play and... with them whenever you wanted, but I'm a little <laughs> sadistic, apparently. And I don't care who's telling, who's giving me permission. I don't feel comfortable using them all the time if... I can only use them sometimes, and I don't want to use them all the time because we won't have a podcast. Yeah, I guess and that's I, really not my fault. All right, so when are you lifting your ban on Pathfinder First Edition books? When they move to Second Edition, <laughs> <laughs> I eat never. Uh, I don't know. I I I absolutely prefer Pathfinder First Edition over Second Edition or you know like other systems in general. A lot of that is just familiarity, but a lot of it is because I really like the modulation of it. And I know Second Edition adapted that as well, mm-hmm. but there are just some other things in Second Edition that I'm not super happy with. Like I really don't like the way that they did the dying mechanics. I feel like it's just super clunky, and I understand what they were going for, why they did it, and it makes sense, but it just, I don't know. But anyway, I would like to think that someday I'll be able to run a Pathfinder campaign that isn't so structured, like I can just have casual fun with, that's like maybe not part of a podcast, and I could be like, yeah, sure, whatever, like you can take that spell, I don't care. But I feel like for the sake of uh, the podcast, it's important for my ability as the narrator and director of this show that we're producing, that I have more control over the like the the ceiling like the power ceiling that the players can use uh because it's everybody knows like the meme of like i just took advantage of this rule and i exploited this mechanic and now i broke the game everyone goes wee and the game master goes oh and then like everybody has a blast but it's like as a production as a show that can be really funny for five minutes but then it's like wait a minute we can't tell a story anymore because tom just broke physics and can just do whatever he wants for all time now and you foolishly gave him windy escape (laughs) now listen here Just like I have now, I had a list, a very specific list, of books that could be used, and if it wasn't on the list, couldn't use it. The Advanced Race Guide is on that list, but I foolishly assumed that if you're going to use material from the Advanced Race Guide, it would have to pertain 
to the race that you were playing. Mm. And Matt took advantage of my uh, unspecific vernacular. And uh, yeah, it was a situation where... The the letters in front of your name say GM, right? Yep. And I made sure to put my foot down after that, like moving forward. But just the... And maybe with editing, it didn't, it kind of uh, skated over the the whole reveal of it. But Matt says, I cast Windy Escape. And I was like, Windy Escape? And he's like describing what it does and how good it is. Everyone's like, dude, that's the best spell. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome moment. And I was like, I like, by the time I finished looking it up, everybody had been gushing for several minutes about what a great gem of a spell Matt had found. Mm. So I was like, yo, Matt, that's that's a sylph spell. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's, you, you can't use that spell. It's a sylph spell. He's like, it's from a legal book. And I was like, it is from a legal book. Okay. Like, I just the kind of the way things happen, like, I didn't want to just be like, no. Pick a different spell right now, mid-session, mid-combat, after everybody already, like, after you just tickled everybody about how great that spell was. And I've never regretted <laughs> anything more in my life. Mm. Uh, yeah. I can see that. I can see why you would try to, to make it a very structured, um, you know, these are the books we use, and that's just kind of it. It makes it very... Uh, I don't want to say cut and dry, but like it makes it very obvious that this is what we do and this is how we use them. Are you just saying that because you've experienced my pain now as a GM? Uh, I mean, no, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I have a game that I run, and I foolishly allowed the entire, as long as it was first party, they could use mm-hmm. it, and that has come back to bite yeah. me. If it's first party, it must be balanced. Yeah, who, who would have thought Paizo <laughs> would, would make unbalanced things? All right, now we're up to the big exclusive for the interview. Elksy, why right, is she back? Tell us more about her. What are her class levels? Don't call it a comeback. No, I said, why she's is she back? I didn't years. say she's come back. I said, <laughs> why is she back? Back in the story. I had Elksy's return to the story planned out since before the end of book two. Oh, wow. Oh. I, you know, because I knew that I knew that Arasni was there. I knew what she was capable of. I knew she would eventually come across Elksy. And from there, I was like, well, what would she do? Well, she might do this. Why would she do that? And I just kind of went forward in the story in my mind. And I was like, this could be a really cool uh, reveal, a blast from the past. Everybody loved Elksy, mm-hmm. especially riding on the the uncertainty what happened to Elksy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because it was it was left very. It was cruel. That's what it was. It was cruel. <laughs> what was cruel? What was cruel? <sighs> you answer my question right now. You don't just get to throw these these words in my face and not be able to back them up what was cruel i do get to throw them in your face and not be able to back them up that's the country we live in mister (laughs) but i will tell you what was cruel about it yeah you better somebody approached elksy said these things said i give you a choice and then boom dead we don't know what happens that's what was cruel, leaving us hanging. Whoa, like that. So you're upset about well, the cliffhanger, you, and you you threw the word "dead" in there, like I ever insinuated that Elsie was dead. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember Elsie being ever said that. Oh yeah. She oh, died. there you go, Toast. Turn on me now, do you? Look. <laughs> if look, if either of you ever want, we can go review the uh, tapes. Ever want? <laughs> 
If either of you ever want an in with the president of gaming, then you're just going to have to fall in line. <laughs> uh, no. So, yeah, obviously I wanted it to be ambiguous. I wanted it to be unclear what happened to Elksy because I knew that if there was, you know, a, a degree of doubt for Elksy's safety, all that would do is increase the positive emotional impact for when Elksy showed up at the beginning of book four. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Everything I was talking about, so, she's back to break our hearts again. Uh, <laughs> you rat bastard. Listen, if you, if you think for a second that I was happy that Yando died or that uh, Doswin and died. Folks, if you ever want to see GM Alex act defensively at the mention of an NPC being killed, Tales from the Tavern. He's on video. I got him. <laughs> yeah, you you really captured the face that I made when I smelled your <laughs> bullshit coming. <laughs> no bullshit. It was a legitimate sh- statement. Uh huh. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but you have been ex- this in this AP has also been exceptionally brutal on NPCs. It's a brutal campaign. I've been brutal on everybody. I don't play favorites. Oh, he doesn't play favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, unless you there bribe we go. me or unless you ask him if you can have a spell before the game and you know he doesn't bother to take time to read it so elksy <laughs> hold on no no there was there was no the question no request beforehand i well that is not the story that i recall from from the tape sir we can go back like 10 minutes he said that devoth used a spell would you listen then- to the to the slanders <laughs> Coming out of this Slander interview, I canceled a, a, my my flight for this. All right, Elksy's class levels. Come on now. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, prepare to be underwhelmed because Elksy is an awakened elk, which comes with two extra racial hit dice and some like random rolls for increased intelligence and charisma and from there i gave her uh levels in fighter that's not bad i wanted a class that like i i wanted elksy to fulfill the same role that she had as thelias's mount which was combat based and i wanted to make sure that elksy wasn't useless so like i didn't want to i didn't want to give her levels in a class that like yeah it's got combat but it's also got you know these skills or these like intrigue based abilities like so fighter just kind of seemed the most straightforward and trying to remember what archetype skirmisher uh, I was looking specifically for an archetype that eschewed uh, heavy armor because I knew Elksy wasn't going to be clopping around in uh, in armor. And to that same uh, effect, I also am using the automatic bonus progression rules from Pathfinder Unchained that kind of it alleviates your need to like spend all of your gold on things called like the big five or the big seven or something like that. Like big six. Making sh- big. Okay. Yeah. I, well. Right, right in the middle. Right in the middle. So, like, you know, if you want to be, if you want to remain relevant at higher levels, you need to make sure you have a cloak of resistance, a, you know, a plus X weapon, a plus Y armor, a belt of whatever that benefits you, a headband of whatever that benefits you. 
and automatic bonus progression kind of takes those assumptions and gives you that progression while also like I think it like cuts in half the amount of gold you're expected to have. Mm. Like right now Elksy has an enhancement bonus to armor even though she doesn't wear armor. And I think you're spo- still supposed to have armor but I'm kind of like hand waving that for the sake of Elksy's an elk and there's there's barding. I, there is barding. I couldn't justify, though, explaining that, oh, Elksy has this armor because she found it. You could find some in the forest. I don't think Arasni would have been like, let me get you some armor. <laughs> and considering, you know, it's a, it's a survival horror campaign, there, there's really not a whole lot of opportunities for Elksy to get her hooves on uh, magic items that would suit her. Right. I think um, if I had to, like if it was my thing, the last opportunity I think you might have would would have been the fort that they just went to. I know you guys have recorded further on, but like they had, I would assume horses and stuff. They might have had something that would fit her or could be. You know, I, I was, I, I, I had that thought cross my mind, like as I was explaining myself just now and going, shit, I should have just had her find barding at the fort but what's done is done yeah. uh i think it's just it's easier and like yeah i can i can give elksy like you know medium barding or I, like i don't know how it how barding specifically works but then like assuming elksy has a a long healthy adventuring career hmm. i'm gonna need to just continue to come up with ways to upgrade elksy and hope that there's just oh like because I don't know. I'm the GM. I could say, oh, in this treasure hoard, you find, oh, huh, what is that? Is that like magical metal affixions for elk horns? (laughs) Like plus three elk horn blades? Yeah, I don't know. Who can use those? Oh, Elksy wants them. Like, I could do that, but it just seems silly and ham-fisted, and it's just not my style. So yeah, that, I figured that I get. automatic bonus progression, just nice and simple, and we'll just move on. Awesome. All right. Well, that's all we had. Well, we don't want to keep you from your, your plane trip to president of gaming. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. I want to thank yeah. you for coming on. Uh, uh, we appreciate the support. Yeah, we really do. Uh, no. Yeah. Th- and thank you for having me on. This was, this was great. I, I love listening to, uh, to your weekly, uh, your weekly drops. And, uh, it was a lot of fun to finally come on and get roasted. Like I knew I would, <laughs> but it wasn't that much of a roast. Come on now. You know what? I, I got roasted a lot harder during your interview with Michelle. So Granted, she was doing a lot of that roasting. (laughs) She did some of it, but you know what? If like a lot of it was you guys trying to uh, to get her to to roast, and she would shrug it off and go, "No, Alex is great." Making (laughs) you guys look like fools. Especially when we got to that part about uh, what what was that? When you're over thirty five, no, no, I don't (laughs) remember that. Something about that man. She had nothing to say on that too. I mean that. Certainly wasn't. I okay. smacked the crap out Look. of him and gave him, you know, hell for that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. We all know it. Uh, we can we move can, on. Can we move on? We can just. Uh, okay, yeah. We can move on. on with our lives. All right. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on. Look, the Pathfinder age rules <laughs> lists. You are middle aged after thirty five. Oh, here it is. Oh, here yeah, it is. See, he couldn't let it go. Couldn't let it go. If you are a human and you turn, it's either thirty five or thirty six. You take a minus one penalty on your strength, dex, and con. That is past your physical prime. Mic drop. Okay, and that does it for us this week. 
You can find us and the players on the Inspired Incompetence Discord. Links can be found at inspiredincompetence.com. I'm Lord Richter. And I'm Lady Toast. See you next week. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, I think that's everything from us. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Matt. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Matt, wow. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. What the wow. fuck? Wow. Oh, I'm just going to go over here and die in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear God, cut that. Corner, <laughs> we need we need two post credit uh oh, snippets now. Oh my god. I can't believe I just did that. I feel so dumb. Oh, oh. oh that was amazing. I'm gonna crawl into oh. a corner and die now. I I had so much fun. I, I appreciate you guys having me on and I appreciate everything that you do uh on and off our discord and the show and uh yeah here's here's too many more <laughs> okay you guys can untie me now